The reading of the Scriptures from Genesis chapter 32, reading verses 22 to 32, invite your uh, reverent attention to the public reading of God's Word. And as always, we pray that He would give us that faith both in the reading and in the hearing of His Word. So from Genesis 32. The same night He arose and took His two wives, His two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with the Lord and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed them. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose up upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of the hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to join me again in a time of prayer. Father, again we bow our heads to you. Great and awesome is our God in heaven, Father, Son, and Spirit. We praise and adore you, and we are thankful for all the blessings and gifts that rain down from above to us, the most unworthy of people. We thank you for your fatherly care day by day, giving us what is needful for life and godliness, the great gift of the Son and the Spirit. We are a rich people indeed, with a great inheritance kept in heaven for us. But we are on earth, on a fallen land, where there are many dangers both to the body and to the soul. Uh, so we pray. We pray that you would remember those who are sick, retrieving treatment or home infirmed and unable to attend. Uh, bless them. Uh, be near to them. Uh, we earnestly ask your blessings, your saving grace for our children and grandchildren. We pray for protection from the dangers of this fallen world, the spread of disease, the spread of lawlessness. Protect us mostly from the evil one who would seek to devour us. Give courage to the fearful. Lift up the downhearted. Comfort the grieving. Guide the perplexed. Help us as a congregation and individually be salt and light where you have placed us to love one another and to bear good witness to Christ our Savior and his kingdom. And now, O Father, bless your word to us 
bless it with the power of the Spirit to take it, uh, give us illumination to behold wonderful things from your word, and may the Spirit also work application for us that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ and be strengthened and skilled for walking in a fallen world. These things we ask uh, in him who is the eternal word, the prince of our peace, Christ Jesus. Amen. Thy will be done. Lord, hear our prayers. Uh, injuries and um, all kinds of adverse circumstances uh, have derailed lots of careers. I have never, for example, uh, seen a ballerina in a performance with a cast. But all of events like that uh, have a way of creating incredible challenges uh, in the lives of people. But for the Christian, uh, it's a new beginning and a new chapter to serve God, uh, giving the majesty of His power that transforms us. And that is essentially the theology of the event before us this morning, namely, the Lord meets uh, Jacob to uh, strengthen him uh, spiritually uh, in preparation to meeting uh, with, with Esau. Uh, very quickly, historically, uh, Jacob has prevailed uh, over Laban and with God's help over 20 years in what was a very difficult uh, physical and spiritual challenge. Again, over 20 years essentially being disciplined by God. Uh, now he must go meet uh, Esau uh, at the command of the Lord to return to the land. So there's no escaping it. God commands him. He has to obey. And he knows he's going to meet his brother Esau. Uh, who's Esau? Well, Esau, as you know, is the man that Jacob cheated uh, and tricked and lied to consistent with his name, Jacob means essentially to grasp a heel. Uh, he's named uh, his birth, and uh, he tried to trip Esau, and thus he lived up to his name, but God's going to, uh, in a measure, change his name because of this encounter. So he's undergoing a spiritual transformation. It's going to intensify here. Uh, often that happens in our lives, and God's sanctifying power. Uh, he brings events into our lives. He brings people into our lives and uses all of these things uh, to sanctify uh, His people. And that's what is before us as well theologically in this event in Jacob's life. Uh, he's moving south in what is uh, now the Transjordan. He's about to cross the river. Uh, he's terrified because of this meeting uh, with Esau. Uh, remember, Esau was a man's man. Uh, he was a very skilled warrior and hunter. Uh, he surrounded himself with warriors. Uh, so that's one of the reasons that uh, Jacob is afraid, uh, notwithstanding how he treated him. Uh, good reminder for all of us that as Christians, uh, we have to meet our fears and challenges because mostly, generally, and usually they do not go away. We have to meet them head on. But to prepare Jacob, God meets him. Uh, the meeting, unlike the previous promises and encouragement, 
uh, is in this chapter a fight, a knockdown, drag out fight. Uh, the verb to wrestle uh, comes from the noun for dust. Uh, in other words, this is a violent, muddy affair. Brass knuckles, if you will. Uh, and uh, uh, as, he, as he sends his family and property across a, a stream, uh, Jabbok, which is a small tributary to the Jordan River, uh, he's left alone. Uh, you and I, I suspect, have been in occasions in life where we're terribly frightened about something or agitated by something that we are about to confront and we're left alone. Uh, and that really has a way of intensifying uh, our agitation. Uh, I suspect he, he uh, separates himself from his family um, because he wants to prepare spiritually and to pray. It is a wonderful application. We're going to encounter events in life that are greater than we are. Uh, we, we should pray. We should prepare spiritually for them. And that's exactly, I think, though silent in the text of what Jacob is doing. Uh, in verse 24, an unidentified uh, mystery man appears with him and wrestles with him all night long. I have some uh, semblance of the intensity of that because uh, long ago and far away, um, I wrestled in high school and uh, uh, there was simply six minutes of it and that in and of itself was, uh, was enough to tire most men. Um, but this is all night long. A very intense struggle. Uh, it's also a spiritual struggle because most contests are. Uh, namely, you have to face your fears or you have to meet with someone that perhaps in some manner or form terrifies you, but um, part of that becomes a spiritual struggle. Uh, in uh, Hosea chapter 12, in verses 3 to 5, uh, the prophet writes, In the womb he took his brother by the heel. That's the derivative of Jacob's name. And in his maturity he contended with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. Even the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his name. The uh, Greek translation of the Old Testament uh, says that in his trouble he was strengthened with God. Uh, and in and of itself, we know that that is uh, something of a transcension of the physical struggle, uh, because he gains a measure of spiritual strength with God. Uh, he was strengthened over the angel and was enabled and prevailed. Beautiful uh, reminder. There is a distant echo of this in our Lord's life, as you know. Uh, uh, he is uh, all alone in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows exactly what is about to occur. In his humanity, it terrifies him as it would anyone. 
And the text reads, and an angel met with him and strengthened him. So God is, God is gracious. In this case, there's a measure of that here in the text before us. In the fight, God is equipping him for the struggle he's about to face. The Greek translation of the Old Testament, Hosea, also identifies the assailant as God. Uh, the Hebrew Bible is uh, much slower uh, to make that identification. Uh, when the man was unable to prevail or win, um, he dislocates uh, Jacob's hip to weaken him and gain the advantage, verse 25. That in and of itself is a hint that this is no, no mere man. Uh, he's, uh, he's wrestling with God who, uh, who cripples him in a measure. The text is an illustration that God here in this case is limiting and constraining His power in the match. God, as you know, the Lord Jesus, as you know, and the Spirit as well, you know, are all-powerful. They could have spoken the wound into existence, but nonetheless, it's a teaching event in the life of Jacob. Uh, and I do remind all of you that uh, in the attributes of God, God always wins and He never loses because He's all-powerful. And that's important for each of us to remember because we face these battles. We have to go confront them. Uh, but who is with us? The all-powerful majesty of the sovereign God of the universe who simply creates with a word because of who He is. Uh, but the fight is to weaken and wound Jacob for the upcoming encounter uh, with a more powerful man like Esau. Now how does that occur? How can you go to a greater struggle and be weakened and wounded? Because you are forced by the encounter to trust God. And that's something of the entirety of this lesson. That we fight wounded, but we never fight alone. Remind you in the Incarnation and Jesus' submission to His uh, arrest, civil and religious trials, of course in His murder, He was weakened, but He prevailed. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, uh, Though He was rich, He became poor, so we who were poor might become rich. He weakened Himself voluntarily. It's the essence of... Uh, of our redemption. Uh, so, a very interesting story I read uh, a couple of months ago in the uh, Daily Oklahoman. Uh, I don't often read interesting stories in the Daily Oklahoman, but in this case, it, uh, it was that. Uh, and it was about a concert uh, violinist who played in his concerts as a violinist on broken instruments. as a testimony that that's a picture of our lives. We are broken, but God uses the brokenness to manifest His glory, His power, His essence, and His majesty. Uh, I was reminded of the, the beauty of this story when a, a friend of mine uh, came to me and told me that uh, his, uh, his daughter was a music major, um, 
and I just purchased a violin for $3,500. I'm sure there are violins out there that are worth hundreds of thousands, but that's the best she could buy, but uh, obviously it was a very nice violin. God doesn't use nice violins. He uses broken violins so that he gets the glory. It's a great reminder. That's in a measure of what is occurring here. Uh, also, it's a measure that uh, in, in the gospel, uh, though Christ uh, in his incarnation was the God-man, voluntarily he assumes human nature. He was under no obligation whatsoever but he weakens himself to take our sin upon himself, further weakening himself, and yet he prevailed in victory and God vindicated him. So before dawn, uh, the man commands Jacob to let him go. Perhaps this is a suggestion that the Sunlight, I mean, I don't really know, it's not present in the text, that the sunlight might reveal something of his identity. Uh, But Jacob uh, knows uh, because he refuses uh, to let the man go except the man bless him. Uh, In and of itself, that's a powerful reminder for all of us. Uh, We go into these battles, sometimes terrified. Uh, Maybe it's as a student. Uh, Maybe there's a a boss that we just do not like dealing with. I mean, I don't know what the circumstances are in your life, but we've all been there. Uh, But when Jacob is wounded, he asks God to bless him. And so it's a measure in all of our lives when we go to these battles that we should ask God to bless us. Because it's a blessings of God that's going to see him through it. Uh, Indeed, uh, Jacob is going to fight wounded, Uh, but he seeks the blessings of God in the fight to come. Uh, This is also a wonderful illustration of the doctrine of perseverance. Uh, The doctrine, the name of the doctrine of perseverance in and of itself implies difficulty and struggle. Uh, You and I live in a fallen world. We also live in a world of violent spiritual struggle. Uh, And We need God's help, and so we should seek God's blessing each and every day of our lives. God sometimes uh, comes in the struggles when we're wounded and uh, teaches us uh, to depend upon Him each and every day. Uh, Aspect of the, uh, one of the premier virtues of the Christian faith, and that is to be humble. uh, Because uh, we need God desperately each and every day in all of our battles. And because we are so wounded, we need Him all the more. It's also a reminder that we cannot retreat from our faith. Part of the essence of the doctrine of perseverance. Uh, We fight wounded, but we must continue onward. We cannot retreat. It's a beautiful illustration of this in Elisha's life. Elijah passes the mantle. Elisha is going to take his place. He's, uh, he's been a farmer. He's plowing with uh, oxen. Uh, there are wooden implements uh, in the traces of uh, the oxen. Uh, before he goes to join Elijah, 
he takes the oxen, boils them, burns them with the uh, traces of wood. So he cuts off every avenue of retreat. He can't go back because he's killed the oxen. So he must can only go forward. In a measure, a picture of our lives. We have to go forward. We have to persevere. And when it's terrifying, as sometimes as it is, we ask God's blessing. And we know in God's grace uh, that He wounds us so that we will do just that. Trust Him each and every day, each and every moment of our lives. Uh, I would also remind you, respecting our perseverance and the challenges that are before all of us as we uh, walk with the Lord, uh, that we're to persevere. Uh, beautiful promise in Romans chapter 15, and verse 5. Uh, Paul describes God as the God who perseveres in us. So what He asks of us, He gives to us by virtue of who He is. We persevere because He is persevering within us. So the man has accomplished his mission in wounding Jacob. Uh, another evidence of his identity because God always accomplishes His purposes. Always accomplishes His purposes. God is never frustrated. He doesn't bite His fingernails in worry because He's God. And he's accomplished His purpose in wounding Jacob uh, to draw Jacob closer to Himself. So he asked Jacob uh, his name. And Jacob, I think in a measure, is confessing now. I tricked my brother. I lied to him. I cheated him. I stole from him. So he's, I think, in a compressed uh, nature, confessing his deception and his dishonesty. Thus the struggle is to change and transform him and to identify him with a new name because of a new character. God often changes our lives in difficult struggles and with difficult people. So the man renames Jacob is Israel. The naming is an act of God's sovereign power. His authority, the authority and the power of the superior over the inferior. More importantly, it's a marker of his transformation. Generally, in the Scriptures, uh, names were an expression of the character of the man. Uh, that, that's, not, that's not held to today. Um, uh, occasionally, I kind of smile at my name, uh, Philip, lover of horses. Um, I love other people's horses, um, but uh, I have no desire whatsoever to, uh, to own such a majestic animal. Uh, but it is interesting here that there's a change in Jacob's name, Israel. Uh, the affliction uh, that he's uh, uh, about to encounter in his stronger brother uh, is, uh, is found in a measure in Luther's theology. Uh, Luther once said, affliction is the best book in my entire library. Think about that. Uh, it's generally a college of orthodoxy when we suffer because we turn to the Lord of glory and ask Him to bless us. His new name is Israel because he fought with God for a blessing and prevailed. 
Uh, the name is derived from the verb to persist or to prevail with the appendage of a name of God, El, uh, which I believe is a shortened form of the name Elohim. So God has changed His character. And that's one of the reasons God wounds us uh, to change our character, to drive us unto Him. And thank God that He does that. Uh, one of the great vagaries of many in the uh, modern church is, uh, is that there is such a thing with uh, respecting the love of God. Uh, but it's a love of God that doesn't change the man or the woman. That's an impossibility. God loves, and in the love of God, He changes us. And sometimes, that is in the midst of struggle and difficulties. Because again, we do fight wounded. But we never fight alone. No longer does Jacob need to cheat or to deceive. He needs simply to trust God and use the means of faith. Uh, in response, Jacob renames the place where the battle occurred uh, Peniel or the face, perhaps theologically more properly, the presence of God. Uh, literally, it's the face of God. Uh, but we should interpret that theologically as the presence of God. That this was a place where this man met God in a profoundly powerful way. And God changed his life. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the greatest blessings of all. That God in his love does not leave us unchanged. And so uh, we read... Uh, in verse 30, so Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I've seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Well, spiritually, he's a changed man. Physically, he leaves the battle limping, meaning that he must trust God for the outcome. Uh, he saw God, or the presence of God. Now he can see Esau. Though he is wounded, he knows that God will bless him. Think of all the encounters in your life. Uh, maybe as in the case of my introduction, you have some physical or mental challenge in your life. Uh, the older you get, you know sometimes it's all the harder because you encounter difficult people and difficult circumstances. And sometimes you say things like, I thought it was going to get easier, and it doesn't get easier what drives us to God. That's what causes us to cling to God. That's the point that Jacob would not let this man go until God blessed him. And God did because he changed his life. He survives the encounter and therefore he can survive his encounter with Esau even though wounded uh, because the power is God's. And that is the point. If you're a Christian, you are transiting this life with all of its difficulties because of the power of God. You will not get there because of your strength, your wisdom, your knowledge, because of your education, because of any of your attainments. You will get to heaven because of the attainments of Christ and the grace and the mercy of God to be with you in the Holy Spirit. Great, uh, uh, 
great reminder of this in the life of the Apostle Paul. Second Corinthians chapter 12, he's struggling. He has some type of wound. Calls it a thorn in the flesh. We don't really know what it is. Lots of conjectures <clears throat> that it was an eye disease. But again, we just don't have any particular knowledge of what it was. It's a thorn in the flesh. It bugged him. He couldn't shake it. So what does he do? He prays. He prays three times. God, take this thorn away from me. God doesn't. God says to him what? My grace is sufficient for you. Because my power is perfected in weakness. And that's why God wounds us. And that's why we fight wounded. And yet, He is always with us because we are never alone. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So whatever it is, uh, a big bad wolf or a big bad boss or a big bad event that's about to occur, whatever it may be in your life, I simply don't know. But I can certainly rehearse enough of mine uh, to know that those things occur for everyone who knows the blessed Redeemer, Christ. And we learn that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So sometimes uh, God wounds us so that we will trust Him and depend upon Him. Uh, this text is not an allegory. It's an actual historic event. But it is something of a picture of our own lives. And there are applications that shout at us from this text. Uh, we fight wounded, whether physically or spiritually. And we must face our fears and trust God in the weakness and leave the outcome with Him. Another picture of that in the Old Testament before young David goes to fight Goliath, this massive man's man, he says what? The battle is the Lord's. Face your fears. Trust God. Give the fights to Him. And trust Him with the outcome. So God is transforming us, and that not without struggle, tears, and prayer. I'm going to read to you a passage from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, and verses 3 to 5, that one of the reasons these battles come upon us, the apostle explains. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We can't but fail to win because God in His grace gives to us the Holy Spirit. God's presence directly and indirectly uh, his presence in the church is an encouragement to go the distance, to continue to the end, because we cannot and must not retreat from the faith and give in to our fears and the big bad wolves that are out there, regardless of their source and regardless of their nature. And that we cling manifestly 
is, they, is Jacob cling to this man for the blessing of God, to learn to trust, to depend, and to rely on the strength and the provision of God and his mercy to see us through it all. Uh, it's also a beautiful picture and a measure of uh, the sacrament of the Lord's table, which our Savior commands us uh, to take, to remember him as well as to fellowship with him. Now, the reminder is that Christ voluntarily took upon himself our weaknesses in his incarnation and our sin, though absolutely innocent. He did so willingly to save us. I could use the metaphor that he was wounded. No, he was violently wounded and ultimately crucified because the wages of sin is death. And the soul that sinneth, it shall die. He did neither, but we deserved it all. The weight of our sin was imputed to him upon the cross. He paid the debt in full so that we might be forgiven. So it's an occasion to remember him, uh, to reflect upon him. Uh, I believe it's an occasion to fellowship with him uh, because in the Lord's table, we fellowship with the Spirit of Christ in his spiritual presence because he knows that we come spiritually hungry and thirsty and so he gives us himself himself as a reminder that he is with us. He triumphed and won for us our eternal salvation. Again, though he was rich, he became poor. That we who were poor might become rich. That he gave himself the one for the many. Uh, I trust in God's grace, uh, you are numbered among the many uh, because you have gone to Christ, confessed your sin, and you now cling to him as your savior. And you know him as your helper in every time and moment of need. And though oftentimes you feel vanquished and defeated, you know you are not because of his victory and that his victory accrues to you because you are his beloved son or daughter. If you do not know him, uh, I would simply say uh, you will truly fight alone and the fight will take you down and you will not win because the battle is too great uh, that only Christ is able to pay the penalty of the sins of sinners. Flee to him. He is our only and every hope and a beautiful and majestic hope he is because of life everlasting. Uh, reading from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, uh, which is a warrant for the Lord's table. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, the cup also after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
Uh, the, the sacrament of the Lord's table at Grace Bible Church is an open communion, uh, meaning that it is open to all who know Christ as their Savior. Uh, if you are here this morning and you are a, a guest at Grace Bible Church, uh, if you know the Savior and you are not living in some unconfessed sin for which you refuse to repent, then you are welcome to partake with us. Because we are one body. There was one bread, there's one cup, and we are one body. Uh, if you are not a Christian, I, I would just simply encourage you to pass the elements by you. Uh, it's not for you. It's a picture that shouts at to you, but nonetheless, um, you must know your own heart uh, and acknowledge uh, your own spiritual condition. Uh, no one's going to be watching, no one's going to be uh, paying attention. Uh, just simply pass the elements by. Uh, but if you are here this morning and you come as a repentant believer and the great and only Redeemer of God's elect, uh, I invite you to partake, to celebrate, and to fellowship with the Spirit of the living Christ. Uh, let's prepare our hearts uh, for the partaking of uh, the elements. I will begin with the bread. Uh, you have uh, ample time uh, to pray and to meet with the Lord privately and individually and to give him every thanksgiving because he took upon himself what you deserved, uh, though he was totally undeserving, so that you can gain the victory through the majesty of his power and his death and resurrection and fellowship with him and praise him and acknowledge him because he is your strength in every struggle. Uh, I would ask that as the bread is uh, being passed, you hold the element, uh, at which time we will all uh, partake together to manifest the unity of the people of God in this time and for all time. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give Thee thanksgiving for the majesty of our Savior, uh, that He came uh, fully God with all of the power of the Godhead. And He voluntarily took upon Himself unspeakable violence and suffering. We know that He could have unleashed His power. He could have vaporized the Roman centurions, he could have crushed the religious and civil governors that were accusing him, but he voluntarily met all of the vagaries of this violence for us. To that end, we are profoundly thankful. Uh, we come with uh, hearts full of thanksgiving and praise uh, because of what he did for us. Uh, more importantly, uh, what He did for us is what we could not do for ourselves. That we were totally guilty. But He took upon Himself the violence we deserved. And to that end, we come to praise and to worship and to fellowship as we, by faith, partake of the bread. Strengthen us and encourage us. Uh, certainly, any number of us this morning are uh, struggling with different 
uh, vagaries of life. But God is our strength and our hope and our comfort. And nevertheless, bless all of us because of the majesty of our Savior and the majesty of our salvation. In His name we pray and for His glory we pray. Amen. As I uh, pass the cup, I remind you that in the uh, center there is wine. In the periphery of the service there is grape juice that each may partake in the freedom of their own conscience. More importantly, there is also an occasion uh, for you to seek the face of the Lord and to ask Him to bless you and to quench your spiritual thirst and to uh, remind Him of your need for Him as well as the blessing that it is to know Him. So let's uh, prepare our hearts for the taking of the cup. Well, again, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we're thankful that in eternity past and the great eternal covenant of redemption, uh, God the Son promised to drink the cup, a cup of violence and wrath, that we might drink the cup of blessing. To that end, we're profoundly grateful and thankful. Uh, we praise Thy name and Thy goodness. Uh, and we're thankful for the God whom we serve. Uh, bless us as we partake. Uh, many of us are thirsty. All of us will be. But our Savior is an inexhaustible supply of provision. And we are reminded of that in the sacrament. And even more so, we fellowship with Him who reminds us of that. And we give Thee thanksgiving in His name and for His glory. Amen. Amen.